Hello and welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today we're chatting with David Zavada from Carney and our own Ann Eberts about the IG survey that went out last year. It focused primarily on the pandemic and uh, we just wanted to get a little deeper into it, take a deep dive and, and talk about it. So we think you all will enjoy So let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to the podcast. All right, very happy to be in person once again, AGA HQ. We have uh, some esteemed guests today. We have Ann Eberts. Hello, Ann. How are you? Good, Paul. Good to see you. Good to see you. Yeah, to see you. That's right, in person. Um, (laughs) And Dave Savada, how are you doing? Great. Nice to see you from Carney and Company. Um, so what we wanted to talk about today was the IG survey actually went out last year and there was a panel on it at the, uh, internal control conference, right? That's right. Um, and, uh, ironically enough, Dave was part of that. That's why he's here. He's going to help us out, walk us through this thing. And, uh, Anne's going to give us her thoughts as we go as well. Um, but yeah, this was a unique one. Uh, maybe Dave, you want to just kick us off, tell us what was different about this survey based, uh, you know, compared to other years. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, We've been doing a survey uh, with AGA. Carney & Company is uh, the corporate sponsor of the the, uh, survey. And um, we've been working with AGA on this for 10 years. And up until now, we focus primarily on the federal IG community. But this year, we changed it up a little bit. We wanted to zero in on pandemic oversight because of the significance of, of all the pandemic relief funds. And secondly, given that a lot of these programs are intergovernmental in nature, we wanted to um, to also involve state auditors. Mm-hmm. So those are the two <coughs> things that are primarily different about this year's or the 2022 survey than in the past. Okay. And it actually encompasses all of AJ's membership because mm-hmm. we are federal, state, and local government. So for one, you know, for the first time then, we have a, a survey that really represents our entire government community. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I, high level, I just want to, you know, what, what kind of were some of the high level findings? We'll kind of jump into some specifics there. Well, the report or the survey was um, divided into th- three primary areas. The first being oversight changes that resulted from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. In other words, how is the IG community approaching oversight of this huge amount, this $5 trillion of pandemic relief funds? What's new and different? Right. Because in and of itself, it's, it's too big for, for one office or for one, one organization to, to handle. Secondly, uh, what were some of the lessons learned in terms of uh, fraud and improper payments? Because there was a significant level of fraud and improper payments. And you know, what, what was the uh, – what were – the IG community reporting uh, in, in relation to that is some of the some of the root causes and some of the lessons learned. And then thirdly, what are the challenges going forward? You know, we entitled the report "Sustaining Change," mm-hmm. uh, so which suggests that there were some certainly some changes in the way oversight was performed during the pandemic. Uh, a lot of good things. How are those changes going to be sustained, kind of going forward? Well, so let us know what what did change. You know, the, the oversight process. What kind of things were folks saying? Uh, well, there were a couple of things, and and please jump in. Uh, the uh, 
the PRAC, certainly creation of the PRAC, which was uh, a group of 21 IGs that were solely focused on pandemic uh, oversight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that war, that collaboration uh, that resulted from that uh, across the IG community was uh, was new and different. Um, you know, secondly, a lot of the uh, collaboration with state and state and local governments as well, you mm-hmm. know, through the PRAC. Um, it truly was a more collaborative approach. You know, I think the community in the past, what we found in past surveys is the IG community can be kind of siloed uh, and, and, and each office somewhat independent. But, um, but this was new and different, and, uh, and, and I attribute it to, uh, to the creation of the PRAC and uh, them reaching across different offices and, um, and the leadership of the SIGI, frankly, uh, who reached across the, the different IG offices and, and to state and local governments to really take a, what they call like a whole-of-government approach to oversight. And when you think about the number of IGs that participate with the PRAC, I mean, it's 21 IGs. Mm. I mean, that's, that's a third, about, about a third of all the IGs across the federal government. And the things that they found out and – just initial data polls, they were finding out, you know, and they started looking at what are the largest states or the states receiving the largest amount of money. And they looked right. at those four or five really large states and said, okay, what can we learn from them and start coordinating and collaborating with those states? And then they found that there is real value in reaching out at a, for a broader set of states. I mean, every mm-hmm. all 50 states receive funds. Yeah. So looking at the big ones that receive the most, you know, your typical New York, California, but then they also looked, you know, kind of in the middle of the country, at a couple of a couple of states, and they just found out. I mean, it was eye opening. Yeah, for and everyone. What we, when you talk about the PRAC, we can't, you know, not mention PACE, which is their data analytics, <coughs> excuse me, component, and um, and as Ann was saying, it was a very data uh, analytics approach. To oversight. I mean, it took a while to get the data. It took a while to get the data in the right format. But once they they had it, um, they s- certainly took a more uh, data analytics focused approach to risk assessment and uh, where they were going to target their resources. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, the way the oversight changed. I mean, this money was going out all over the place for all kinds. You know, multiple different uses. Right. Different departments. I mean, I think the only way you really could oversee this properly is by collaboration. It's impossible otherwise. That's true. It was fast and furious. Yeah. I mean, if it's just labor department or just whatever department, you know, I don't even know how they would do it. I'm assuming a lot of the fraud happened across multiple programs. And, I mean, there had to be things that, you know, these things, you know, if you didn't collaborate, I don't know how you would even find some of these schemes, you know. Well, what we heard was that um, a lot of the fraud was centered in in a few programs. Hmm. The, um, The UI program. Paycheck Protection Program, yeah, and the uh, Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program, or IDLE Program at, at SBA. Hmm. So, those three programs were probably the most susceptible to fraud, and mm-hmm. and frankly, that was because of the volume of uh, of activity. There was there was no way that the systems, as they are as they were then, uh, and probably are now, 
can handle that that volume of uh, activity. It was just unprecedented, and as a result, controls were were uh, were dropped. And and they did that intentionally so they could get money out quickly. Right. I mean, it wasn't a sloppiness kind of mm-hmm. issue. It was intentionally relaxing some of the the checks and balances or the controls so they could get money out quickly. So there was knowledge that there yes there will be fraud yeah because we're trying to get money in the hands of those that needed it and and what we heard from uh, many of the people that we we interviewed and uh, and this also comes up in a in a wonderful uh, lessons learned report that the crack issued mm-hmm. on uh, on um, some of the root causes of fraud is that a lot of the fraud resulted from reliance on self certification once the controls right. were dropped right. Yeah, and I mean, there were some significant amounts of fraud reported, right? I mean, I think the Labor Department, I can't, it's in the billions, right? Like, it's a oh, huge number. Many I mean, hundred, like 100 billion or something. It was just like. 163 billion. There you go. Was the number that the Labor IG had quoted. Yeah. And, uh, and 20 billion in California alone, which hmm. is just staggering. So, I mean, I guess the oversight changed the way they did it, but I mean, they still, you know, there still was quite a lot of fraud. Um, you know what? What? Uh, so, what were some of those challenges that these IGs faced dealing dealing with this? You know, trying to get a handle of it. Well, I, I would say that uh, one of the one of the biggest challenges is uh, the inability to really effectively share data. Okay. Yeah. A lot of, and that that was the, the probably the number one challenge that that we heard. The ability to share data and the age of some of the systems that they had. I mean, the throughput that we're talking about as far as releasing payments and making payments. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the ability of um, uh, to access data, um, data is, is uh, in many cases uh, protected, and it's protected for a reason, but. Um, know there there were just not a lot of agreements to uh, to get access to certain kinds of data and even if access was granted it's not always in the format that you need to, to do the type of uh, cross checks that for eligibility let's say that you could do um, if you had up-to-date systems up-to-date data sharing agreements and uh, and the technology in place to to, to compare that information so we're talking about, you know, the problem of getting good data, the problem with systems handling this data that might be out of date, and then you said sharing. Tell us a little bit more about the sharing issues. Well, there, there's, um, I guess, it, I, I guess the biggest issue that came up with sharing data, or the biggest, I don't know if we call it an issue, but the biggest uh, challenge, challenge mm-hmm. is, um, is IRS data, and you know, we, we all know that's protected for. Right. So, um, so it's o- often difficult to have to get agreements in place to um, ahead of time to be able to get access to that some of that yeah. some of that data. And there, there, a lot of other data too is privacy related. You know, it's protected for a reason. Would there be like federal versus state kind of issues with data or privacy or legislation or whatever, maybe? You know, even if you think about um, the Paycheck Protection Program, mm-hmm. you know, you had to have been in business at least a year prior to filing 
So that would have been IRS data where, mm. you know, companies file file taxes and you mm. would have known that some of these companies that were filing for PPP loans were not in business. Were not, I mean, yeah. some of them were created like on the fly <laughs> and, yep. and with the same owner for multiple businesses that didn't really exist, that they were claiming X number of employees that didn't exist. So yeah. uh, Another example we've heard is in regard to UI, uh, unemployment insurance data. The, um, the states prior to the pandemic did not share information with the federal government about, about uh, people receiving UI. Uh, now that sharing is in place. Okay. But one of the examples that's often cited is that there was uh, the same social security number was used in 29 states to apply for benefits. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's just the, the nature of how we, this country's set up, right? I mean, there's a federal system, and, you know, the states all do their thing, and it's just a big mishmash, right? So, I mean, it's kind of an unfortunate. That's just the, the baseline, and for IGs or any kind of oversight to – to make sense of that, it's going to be very difficult. But, I mean, that's great to hear. I mean, I, I didn't realize that now they're sharing, like, the UI information. So there's got to be some great things that came out of this, right? I mean, is that – what other things do you think were some nice things that came out of this kind of difficult situation? Well, I, I certainly think the collaboration mm -hmm. across the federal com IG community, yeah. the oversight community, yeah. and the collaboration with state IGs was, uh, was a, a good thing. Uh, in past surveys, we heard this come up with, um, with leadership trying to push greater collaboration. <coughs> uh, but it really took the pandemic to, uh, to make that happen. And, uh, and it was, that was really the impetus for, for the collaboration. And we're hoping, everyone's hoping that that will continue. Secondly, the way that they approach oversight in terms of um, – more agile approach. Hmm. Uh, in other words, not waiting until you know after a program, late in the program's history, to to begin their oversight process. Mm -hmm. With the pandemic relief programs, they started early and reported out early, so they didn't think it would affect change. And like these risk reports, things like that, risk alerts, I think they were called. Yeah, because, I mean, IGs are, I mean, I used to work for IG. They, they tend to take a long time to put a report out, you know. Meticulous, you want to dot your I's and all that. But they started putting out more faster kind of risk alert kind of reports and things, right? And they, they called it Agile Oversight. Agile Oversight, yeah. Which was great. So Agile meaning, you know, not thorough, not, you know, yeah. to the nth degree, but enough to understand we have an issue here. Right. Let's share what that problem is if they if if it's shareable, you know, with other organizations, and and let's track down the the bad guys. Yeah, get ahead of it now because you can't. There's no time to wait. Right. Right. So, yeah, remember was it Bob who's the leader? Bob of the, Westbrook. Bob Westbrook was the leader of the PRAC, right? Yeah, I mean, he was talking about these risk alert or like just agile reports, getting things out as fast as possible, at least. Making folks aware that there might be a problem, or how, or there, you know, we don't know how how deep or how, you know, the the problem may be, but you've got to be aware of this and jump on it now, not wait a year or two once we've done our thorough review, right? Well, by that point, the bad guy, you know, the, the money's gone. Will be yeah. gone. <laughs> um, they're out of the country, and you know, <laughs> got some Lamborghinis. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, right. Local Lamborghinis and homes <laughs> and boats, all sorts. Of <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah. And it's just yeah, every time these crises happen, it's it's sad because you know I mean we do have to 
you know, get this money out and people need to, you know, people legitimately use it, but it's just like, And there you know, are legitimate needs. Absolutely. I mean, there were people that, you know, were getting kicked out of apartments. There were people that, mm-hmm. didn't, you know, couldn't feed their children. It, it's interesting, though, uh, Michael Horowitz, who is the head of the SIGI, mm-hmm. Department of Justice IG, made the point of saying it's not an all-or-nothing choice. It's not just it's not just no controls or controls that slow down benefit payments. Mm. There's someplace in the middle that you could find where you could do some thoughtful checks before money goes out the door and not fully rely on self-certification. So I think it's finding that middle that mm-hmm. is, um, of course, it's a require some thought. Well, and I think the coordination at the state level, too, th- about the data that they have available that, that, that can be shared, mm-hmm. um, I mean, is, is meaningful, too. I mean, they, the combination of, you know, there are quarterly meetings that, that began with, you know, PRAC leaders, SIGI uh, leaders, folks from OMB, GAO, and then state auditors. I mean, that, that level of communication and coordination, you know, was unheard of before. Yes. <clears throat> that was something that uh, came into play during the American Rescue Plan uh, when, when that came up. Um, <coughs> early on, there was not that level of collaboration about risk assessment. But um, later on in the process related to uh, American Rescue Program, American Rescue Plan uh, programs, there was a uh, – this early look at risk assessment that involved OMB, involved the White House, involved um, the IG, as well as the program managers, kind of thinking through where are the risks here and pointing out and trying to mitigate them. So I guess one of my last questions is, you know, did the IGs feel like some of these changes to how they collaborate and oversee these programs with the states and, talking to each other more, you know, is there a chance to keep this momentum going for the next big thing? What can we do? How do we keep this going? I mean, the prac's going to sunset right in a year or two. So, you know, what what do they think about that? How do they keep I mean, things going? First of all, I think the, the state and local coordination and collaboration will continue. They started an auditor in residence program where they have, you know, state auditors that will work with, Folks at the PRAC understand the capabilities oh. of the PACE, you know, the analytics center, um, and, and understand how that all works. Um, posting a lot of the alerts or um, reports from the state level on the PRAC website by state, so you can take a look at those. Yeah. And then nice. those reports being in one place, you can start to search through and see what are the commonalities, what are the, mm-hmm. what are the trends, what are the things that stick out that say, okay, how could we, for the next time, put controls in place that prohib, you know, prevent these issues. Yeah, yeah. And I think everybody, at, you know, I, everybody, the um, IG community and the auditor community are on alert, right? I mean, they've, they've seen what worked through this process. Mm-hmm. Um, the PACE, the, you know, the Pandemic Analytics Center of Excellence uh, is slated to sunset in 2025, and this is a, a real – asset that I think would be a shame. I, I, I personally think it would be a real shame to lose that kind right. of an asset after having invested in it over you know, the last couple of years and and people e- expect the reports and the analytics and the, 
the capabilities to continue. Actually, I think yeah. the community needs them to continue. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything Ann said, and uh, and I would just add that um, that hope is that these good things, these good changes, positive changes in the way oversight is performed will continue because um, the infrastructure bill is on the heels is next mm. pandemic relief uh, programs right and it's going to require uh, as significant of an oversight effort maybe over a longer term period but you know the hope is that the analytics <coughs> the collaboration the agile oversight you know sharing sharing findings earlier all of that will uh, will continue into the way that oversights performed over over that bill site in general in the future. Well, I think the mm -hmm. at all levels of government, um, agencies have identified areas for change and improvement in their systems. You know, yeah. they, they certainly found some critical points of failure in their systems, yeah. whether they haven't been invested in or they're in old platforms that, that couldn't give them the speed of di distribution that they needed. And that's, that's why some of those, those checks and balances and internal controls had to be relaxed. Absolutely, right. and that, that's really, I think, the, the long-term answer is investing in systems and investing in data sharing agreements so that when something like this comes along, you have the technology in place where you can, you can share data and, and verify eligibility and that kind of thing. I think Bob Westbrook said they had to create, what, 52, 54s, like, is it subpoenas or, you know... That right, 54 states and territories to right. access data, uh, UI data. UI data. Wow. I mean, and that's, you know, a different format, different structure for each state. Right. That'd be, in, you know, in a, for in a way that they will accept and, and comply with them. Hmm. I mean, that's just a lot of administrative burden that at that point in time when you're trying to hurry up and figure out how to stop the kind of the bleeding... Mm -hmm. You're doing paperwork over You're here. Paperwork. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's bleeding out. Dotting, dotting I's and crossing T's yeah. to make sure that you can get the information you need to stop it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, sounds like, I mean, they did, you know, IG's learned quite a lot from this. They had some great tools, websites, councils. I mean, I hope, you know, once those things sunset, maybe there's some way to keep things going or at least keep the knowledge, keep, you know, use it for the next time. Um, sounds like a lot of things. There's always something good that comes out of these bad situations, right? So... Um, and it's a it's a great community, and uh, Ann and I have uh, interviewed a lot of people in the community, and uh, you know we want to thank them all for the you know for being part of this. It was uh, really interesting for us, and really nice to be able to bring some folks to survey together every year. And I think at when the IGs come together, in fact, they've been incredibly supportive of some of the um, educational events we have, which mm -hmm. are trying to showcase not only the challenges, but also the successes that mm -hmm. that, that community's had and, and what a positive difference can be made. And, you know, I, I certainly thank, and I know Dave does too, the, the community for saying yes when we reach out to them to participate, whether it's in a, a roundtable type event or uh, a larger event where, you know, thousands of people from, again, federal, state, local, and the private sector can hear from them about the collaboration and about the progress Mm -hmm. being made, and also all of our role in how we can help that process. 
Absolutely. And I'm very happy that, you know, the states were involved too this time. I mean, yes. I've seen some really innovative stuff with the state IG, state auditors. Uh, actually, the podcast before this one, so people are will already have heard it, I'm sure. But I interviewed uh, Washington state auditors, and they have some really amazing websites where they've taken all, a lot of their reports and they just visualize them all so you can scroll down the page, all these charts and stats pop up. It's just fun to read, honestly. You know, as a as a citizen, you're like, oh, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. They do it almost in a journalistic way, like you're reading a magazine. You know, it's yeah. really amazing. So That's what the PRAC was trying to do is to, yeah. to share those those innovative approaches and innovative stories uh, right. across the whole oversight community. It's great. Yeah. Examples like that are great. So you don't have everyone reinventing the wheel. They can say, that works. I want to do that too. Oh, I've, I'm telling everybody, everybody's got to check out that podcast, go to that website, and all the IGs should, should try to do something like that because it's really cool. Um, maybe just last question. I don't know if you thought about it, but for the next survey, any thoughts on that yet? Are you still kind of putting in your head what you want to ask on that, the next one? I'm, I'm kind of thinking through it a little bit. I yeah, a little early. Because yeah. uh, that, that goes out, but what time of year does that go out usually? Uh, we, we start in the spring. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And try to do a release of all the key findings, if not the report too, at least at a minimum, all the key findings um, for our internal controls and fraud prevention. That's right. Event in September. September, right, right. right. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say this was probably the most interesting one. Yeah, that we did, and uh, and I'm inclined. I don't know how Ann feels about this, but to continue to to delve into the state auditors Absolutely. and kind of get get mm-hmm. try and get a, a better get a better feeling for wh- what some of the innovation and some of the cool things that are going on at the state level. There's a lot, yeah, and um, as well as the federal IG community. So. Yeah, and this is um, and actually this kind of this time of year kind of corresponds with the last uh, set of journals. So we had almost two years of our Journal for Government Financial Management focused on the pandemic, some aspects of the pandemic. And it would be interesting to see where where some of the the themes that we've identified and and we've discussed here, Dave, will still continue to permeate the journal because there's still so much information to find out and learn as those funds continue to be spent and obligated and reported on. Yeah, it's kind of like the aftershocks of the earthquake. You know, they're still coming. We still ca- we're not out of this thing yet. We're just kind of like still suffering the yeah, shockwave. After, after the earthquake, they're still recovering. Uh, that's right. right, yeah. So One of the things we talked about was maybe doing a, a capstone type report and pulling all of yeah. this together yeah. and in a summary type, type way. So we'll, we'll see. Okay. Well, I mean, and this report is uh, on our AGA site, right? Absolutely. So go read it, go check it out, see, get more details on what we talked about today. And uh, uh, I just want to thank our guests again, Dave and Ann. Thanks so much for coming out in person and uh, sharing your insights on this report. Thanks, Paul. Always yeah, good to you. see you. Thank, thank you. you. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. AGACGFN.org. Go check out all those podcasts and... Uh, Yeah, we're in 2023 here, so look forward to a big old lineup. We're scheduling them left and right, so all kinds of fun topics for you all to check out. So until that next time, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.